0: Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned because we're Gone in 30 Minutes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Gone in 30 Minutes. Our guest today is the incredibly talented, all-around nice guy, um, sainted, knighted, anything <laughs> you could you could bestow upon him. Uh, composer, conductor, orchestrator, Eric Whitaker. Welcome, Eric.
1: Hey, Tom. It's great to be with you, man.
0: Great to see you, man. So
1: just to start things off, what are you doing? What are you up to right now? Well, not much. <laughs> 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 I mean, COVID, it's crazy, right? I mean, gen- genuinely. So my typical career, right, is either conducting orchestras and choirs. Right. Used to travel all over the world doing that. Or writing commissions for those same groups. And all of that is just... It's completely flatlined. It's my calendar is totally free. And so, what I've been doing mostly is as much online stuff as possible. And, you know, we do these crazy virtual choirs. Mm-hmm. No so, one about yeah. Yeah, so, so, that's really been occupying my time lately is, is this, this latest virtual choir.
0: Well, yeah, actually, can we just jump into that really quick? Can you talk yeah. a little bit about this? Yeah, could you go on the sixth one?
1: That's right. The sixth we'll one. It, it's this thing that I started 10 years ago and it started as a very simple idea which was you know a a young woman had uploaded a video to me a fan video and she was singing the soprano line to a piece that i'd written and i had the my very simple idea was if i could get 25 people to sing at the same tempo and in the same key wherever they were in the world they could just upload their videos and literally i would push play on youtube and start them all at the same time that was my big idea and this choir would have to unfold and it worked and so we made this first virtual choir that had 185 singers from 12 countries. And it went viral. And then people, singers from around the world started writing me and saying, when is the next one? And you know, this is in 2010, I hadn't even yeah. imagined that I would do a next one. And there was a next one, a next one. And each one has just gotten bigger and bigger. And now in the time of COVID, we 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 made one knowing that people would be home and that people were aching to sing. I know I was aching to make music. And it ended up with 17,572 singers from what, 29 countries. Just the craziest thing.
0: I mean, is it, and again, like how is coordinating that 10 years ago as compared to now? I mean, is it, you must've been limited when you started doing this. And now is it just a limitless thing? Can you have
1: all takers come in? Yeah, well, it's funny. So even over the years, our, our number one ethos has always been, there's no auditions. That if you upload a video, you're in. In fact, we've only ever had to turn away one video, and that was from a guy who auto-tuned his voice before he sent it. In. I thought you were gonna say it was me. <laughs> no, it could be me. <laughs> I tried to join three of them and my voice is just it's not great. Um, but uh but we just know auto-tuning. So we wrote him back and he sent it up, you know, without auto-tuning it. And and it, amazingly, there's there's this phenomenon that happens only really with singers that you can the more people you have, the the more it smooths over the rough edges. And mm-hmm. I liken it to going to a football game, right? Like if you're in a stadium and there's 60,000 people singing, you know that not all those people are singing exactly on pitch, you know, especially if there's been some beer. Right, right. But <laughs> but there's something about singing as a mass group of people that they're really Makes it sound great, and it's the same thing with these virtual choirs. So, in some ways, the more people you get, the easier it is to deal with the sound of it.
0: Wow, this is fascinating. And it, when was the last one you did? And forgive
1: me for when was the last time you did it? Before, well, the the, the latest one we released was just a couple of months ago, end of July. Okay, this this oh. big one called "Gently."
0: So, but that was recorded pre-COVID.
1: No, actually, so what happened was in 2018 we had released Virtual Choir Five. Okay. And this was made in collaboration with NASA and the Space Telescope Science Institute. It was a piece called Deep Field. And in, there's a massive 23-minute film that goes with it. And at the end of it, we literally travel to the end of the known universe and back to Earth. So after that one, I really thought, we've sort of pushed the limits on what we can do with virtual choir. You know, I think, I think we're, let's, let's hang up the shoes on the genre. And then COVID hit, and suddenly we realized, oh, my God, that no one can sing. Right. No one can get together. And even worse, you know, my community, uh, this global community of singers, th- the last thing we ever could have imagined that not only would we be a threat singing, but we would actually be dangerous, right? Singers have been branded as super spreaders. Yeah, right. It's the thing. You get singers together in a room and it's actually very dangerous. And so, so our whole art form just stopped. And it was then in March that I got together with the team and said, if there was ever a time to make one of these virtual choirs, it was now. So not only did we make it during the time of COVID, but I even wrote the piece for it during the time of COVID, inspired by everything that was happening.
0: Amazing. And I was just saying, just the word you're using, which is something I'm, we're diving into a lot on this on the show, is just, is just the idea of community. And the idea of an artistic community that is isolated now in so many ways, I mean, this has got to be so therapeutic for everyone that's just a part of it, because if you're a singer, you sing. Yeah, man. and.
1: It, it's the best word that you said therapeutic yeah. that, that um and it's it's amazing to me how it somehow transcends that the weirdness of of you know the the video platform and and how distant people actually are. you would think that that there's no way it could replicate the the feeling of being together. but over and over again, there is this genuine sense of community and family and even uh, during the last couple of virtual choirs we, worked with a team at imperial college in london and did some some studies some hardcore science studies to see what is the physiological impact of people joining virtual choirs and what's incredible is almost all the same physical benefits of singing together in a choir in a room physically are replicated when you do it at a distance that just somehow joining the virtual choir you get almost every physical benefit that you would singing.
0: Has the audience, like who's your youngest to your oldest in
1: these choirs? Is it spanning the... Yeah, it's, it's the youngest singer we've had is three years old. The oldest is 99. Can you wow. imagine? And, and every level of tech expertise, right? So there's that that core group of people that kind of know what they're doing. Uh, and then there are people on the edges that that have never done this and what's been beautiful is within the virtual choir community there's all of these volunteers they even set themselves up around the globe so that they're available in any time zone so that if somebody desperately wants to be a part of the virtual choir they'll they'll make sure they get their video uploaded they'll they'll walk them through every step of the tech what's been super fascinating for me watching this this time is that now in the time of covid I'd say half of the submissions or maybe more were on phones. And that's the first time we've ever seen that level of adoption. Wow. Uh, and then funnily, but but probably true, is a lot of videos this time around were recorded in people's cars because in the time of COVID, it's the only quiet place they could find in the house. <laughs> you know? And yeah. sonically, it works. And sonically, it's okay. Sonically, it's the microphones now in iPhones and Android phones are so off the charts good even compared to... You know, decent mics that we would have been using twenty years ago. Right. It's and the video quality is just astonishing.
0: So one of the things I've noted to people is that I'm I'm an avid reader and I've that's okay. my sort of uh, calm, calming thing at night. I read. I love reading. I just pour over books. Since COVID has happened, I find I haven't been able to read, huh. and it's just the it's 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 the fact that my brain is moving so fast.
1: It's so interesting when you say that. So I'm the same way with reading, and I, I find myself having the same difficulties with, with. I don't know if it's an attention span or just falling into a book. Yeah. Or, um, I was laughing at myself the other day because I realized that the last couple of books I picked up are all about uh, past tyrannies or dictatorships, or you know, it's. I, I don't. I don't know about you, but my half my world is just plus one. Yes. Right? <laughs> Oh my god what is happening uh, yeah. and so so in terms of music um so one of the beautiful things is my my wife's a singer and she is uh she's been listening to lots of early music stuff that i would normally never listen to like baroque and renaissance okay. music and it's it's like it's just broadened my mind also now we have like you're talking about a routine we have breakfast lunch and dinner always together and she puts on music in the background. And it's just this this kind of new thing that's happening. And these days I'm taking a lot of long walks. And so I'm listening to more mm-hmm. podcasts than I have ever before, you know, which is, uh, it's almost like my my connection to the outside world. Right. Same. Same. In the beginning, I wasn't able to
0: listen to um, a, a lot of new music. It was the same thing my brain was moving. So I was going back to comfort food and I was literally putting on Fleetwood Mac records and just going like, oh God, this is... Really comforting, and then the opposite has happened. And now I find myself opening up and listening to things, and it's because of COVID. Choral music has come into my life as a complete amateur, and that's why I've been just like now diving back into your world and just going like, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing the next time you do a."
1: thing. Like that. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think there's actually yeah. something there, though. I think the, the human voice, regardless of you know if it's if it's ancient choral music or if it's if it's Ella Fitzgerald, it's, there's, there is something it's, it's beyond comforting, right? You, you feel connected to humanity in that way. And I think, I think that in, especially in this time when we're so distant, I think there's something about the voice is essential when, when listening to music or, or consuming music like that. So I, I think maybe it's not a, not entirely just a, a, a strange series of events that led you to that. Really. I, you know, it's, there's really something important about that.
0: What I, I, I know, this is we're sort of winding down. It might be a longer question, but what uh, initially brought you into this world? What what hit you musically? Was
1: it like how did you take this path as a kid? Even so, I grew up in northern Nevada mm-hmm. and uh, in a little farming town, and i I discovered computers. I was 13 years old, and our so this is 1983. Um, and they had a Commodore 64. I don't know if you remember Commodore 64, right? So sure. Computer Club had a Commodore 64, one of them. And I learned how to program very basically on that, which led me to computer music. And until I graduated from high school, that's what I thought I was going to do. I had synthesizers and drum machines. I basically wanted to be a combination of craft and Jean-Michel Jarre and Depeche Mode. That's, that's what I imagined my world would be. And I went to school at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. It was just a big state school. And I joined the choir and the first day of rehearsals, we sang uh, music from the Requiem by Mozart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I remember standing in the middle of the room. I couldn't even read music. I still played by ear at that point and just trembling. And, and it, it, was, it was the most profound musical moment of my life. And I, I left that choir rehearsal, the, the biggest choir geek in the world. Wow. I, I just had to have it. And I've been chasing that dragon ever since. Amazing. Did you start composing it instantly or were you just? And no, it took me three years. So it, it was a seven year undergraduate degree mm-hmm. and it wasn't until my third year and I got accepted into the Little Chamber Choir. And I wrote the, my first piece as a gift to this conductor, a man named David Weiler, who had changed my life. And that's what got me started writing music for choir. But I, I, will, I still remember that first day that we read through it and this, this experience of having notes that I've written down on the page being brought to life in the in the bodies and lungs and hearts and minds of these people around me and just thinking, that's it. I don't know how one does this, but this is my vocation. This is what I have really? to do with my life. I, I, it was very clear for me at that time. It took me a while to figure out how to do it. But um, yeah, that it was a, a singular moment
0: and we, we I keep using this word or we keep using this word but i love this word is is how long did it take you to find your community i mean was it all of a sudden as soon as as soon as you sort of put roots down did they start to come did you start to find each other yeah
1: man that's it's it's funny when i look back all the time now when i look back now for years when i thought of that first moment with the mozart requiem and standing right. in the room with people singing i i it was the music that I thought about. It was that the complexity of the music, and I used to liken the Mozart to a cosmic Swiss watch, you know, just hearing the music. But honestly, now when I look back after some years and years of experience, I think that that was the first time I felt part of something larger than myself. Mm. And so I would say it was in that moment that I found my tribe. And, And the tribe was just, I guess, people who sing. You know, yeah. this it it and what's beautiful about that is you can travel anywhere in the world and there are members of your tribe all over. They all have that same core love of that art form. Um, I, I feel profoundly lucky that I stumbled into this life.
0: Well, yeah, you didn't stumble into it, you came roaring into it. You right. made something like yeah. I love it. The first time I came to see you, which was uh Paradise Lost in Pasadena, I believe. Yeah. Or yeah. 13 years ago can you imagine 13 years ago yeah and i was i was explained your crowd like i was told like oh it's this great and 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 going there just being a part of it and seeing this world that had fallen out of my you know pop world was just incredible and so inspiring to see and just how it's grown over the years i want to ask you really quickly who who inspires you now who who are the contemporary uh musicians
1: composers any uh, what, well, <laughs> what, 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 what brings inspiration to you? These days, I'm really into film music, loving film music. So, Thomas Newman and John Williams and Hans Zimmer and and then Ennio Morricone and and all the way back. I'm just listening to endless amounts of film music. Um, I'm a Hamilton freak. I think Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius upon genius upon genius. Uh, I love Billie Eilish. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think she's the real deal. That's also the so, is her world world, right? Her brother is the, the yeah. second half of that genius equation. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of all over the map. Um, uh, that being said, I, every time I go back and listen to Bach, it's like this, this guy's from another postcode. You know, he's just, he's like, it's.
0: <laughs> 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 Could you envision a, a contemporary pop collaboration in the
1: way like Philip Glass has done or in the way that. I, I, I dream of it. I do yeah. I, yeah I have a long list of people uh, pe- people from from earlier say like Peter Gabriel or Tom York or Johnny Greenwood like artists that I really respect York all the way up to people like Billie Eilish who I would I would love to collaborate with them love that yeah I,
0: well, okay, I I will collaborate with you. I know you're getting around to asking that. So we'll... Uh, our, well,
1: I'll start growing the beard
0: soon. So Yeah, do, just all baritone. No, I, don't, I don't do soprano. I do, I, do, I, do, I do baritone. So you mentioned earlier, like, the idea of... I forget how you said it, the idea of writing. And other things were interesting to you. I, you need to write a book, buddy.
1: <laughs> I know. You know, I... So, uh, I'll be honest, like i've I've sat down and tried to sketch something, right? Like like and w- when i when I compose music, I, I I do these these really intense, very detailed drawings before I write a note of music. I call them emotional architecture. And basically, I draw the sh- the emotional journey that I want the audience to go on before a note is written. And then once I've got the structure, then I know it's almost like building the the architecture for a for a cathedral. And then the notes themselves are just just the walls and the the, the paintings inside. The, the thing is, I can't figure out what this book is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't figure out a structure for it.
0: Well, and it's like, we, we, so I worked on a couple of books in the last couple of years and our, our publisher gave me the best advice ever. It was like, don't write in the beginning and don't write the end. And it, I took the approach, we took the approach of like recording an album. You record these songs and then you sequence them together later. Hmm. The thing when I'm saying write a book, it's not just Eric, write a book. What the hell? I'm just when, in our talks I was, and, I've been, and leading up to this. When I was introduced to you and your music, there's a thing that happens to a, a person like me, I think, which is weaned on top 40 radio, weaned on country music and punk music, and I have these things I, I understand. When I first saw Paradise Lost, if it was described to me, "Do you want to go see this thing?" I would think, "I don't understand it. That's not my world. I don't belong there." And that's what I thought. And then I was brought into your world, and it, it, it—something went off. And I think that way, almost like that, David Byrne, like how your brain works on music. Yeah. When you talk about choral music and what it does, and both psychologically uh, to your body, everything—I just
1: bet your book. Your book just, like just talk from a place of passion and, yeah, and of expertise
0: and bring people's day. It's about discovery. You could write a book all day long. That's that's just a, an owner's manual for people that know a specific part of your business, but that's a textbook, yeah. which is fine too. Um, but just hearing you speak of, you know, what this music means, you know, what it does to your, your being, what it does for kids, what it does for the other, what it does when we're alone and isolated, I think it brings people into something like choral music, which seems overwhelming and seems something like I can't understand it. It's like in a way, like, and look, I'm talking to is as I am lowest common denominator. Everything about this is lowest common denominator. You know that I know that we're okay with that. Come on! No but, no, but the fact that like it's it's sort of like someone's coming to me and saying, "Hey, you should start exploring choral music." I'm like, "Sure!" Right after I learned calculus.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: then being brought into it, it was like it made me go and revisit certain things. And I just think you have just such a a wonderful way of talking about it, that with a with a passion you've had your whole life from the first time it happened to you when you weren't expecting it to happen and i think it just i I don't know i just think the psychology of music is one of the most important things music i I say this almost every show music is meant to help us escape
1: it's beautiful man it's it's that's super helpful actually to hear you say that you know sometimes i I get so in my head and in you know i can't see the forest for the trees uh because yeah yeah, my daily life is so ingrained in, in writing and core music so it's it's really refreshing actually to hear an, an outside perspective and saying, "Actually, this is really intriguing." That you know that, that, that these things, I, I lose track of that. I think
0: I, I, I want to ask you though about your your writing muse and and how it might strike you normally. Does is it is it are you a disciplined <laughs> composer or is it like, "Oh shit, I'm on a plane. I just thought of something. I'm going to write on the back of a barf bag." And <laughs> how's that changed while yeah, we're in COVID?
1: That is closer. So I there's this great quote from Maurice Ravel, the famous impressionist composer, he says, um, I'll be at my writing desk from eight to four every day. If inspiration wants me, she knows where to find me. <laughs> and there's that kind of composer. Brahms was like that too, you know, up at 6 AM has a brand muffin, writes fugues for an hour. That's not me. Like, and and I wish it was, I so wish that I had, I don't know if it's discipline or, or more just, just the ability to sit down and make something without this electric spark, but unfortunately my, my general process is uh, I walk around in a fog. I know I want to make something. I feel something. I ache for it. And then there's that moment just, and, and it can be the smallest thing, but it's, it's what I call it. The golden brick. It's like, it's as if I've reached into whatever that other world is and pulled out just a tiny stone that's from that world, but it has all the DNA for, for that world in it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And and the the problem is I can never bottle that. I never know when that's going to hit or how that will happen or what weird, I'll tell you, you mentioned the airplane. The only thing that I, I have found, and this is the one virtue of flying for now until they let cell phones be active, is that for the longest time, the, the airplane was the only place I could find that was uh, where you could be bored. Forced into boredom, right? Yeah. If you didn't bring yeah. your laptop or you didn't have your phone with you and you decided yeah. not to watch the little screen, then I, I think that the way to to have a creative spark is to, there's like a, a data prime, right? You want to fill your brain full of all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, Ray Bradbury famously said that, that his, his key to inspiration was just to go every night and see plays and music and theater and movies. And then magically the next morning, something would be in his mind. And so I think what you do is you fill your brain full of that stuff, and then you get bored. And what happens is when you're bored, you you start making these odd, disparate connections between things, right? You think, oh, Ravel and Billie Eilish and and quantum physics, and right? And you just you make these little these little connections. And in my daily life, I'm never bored. There's always a phone. There's always a computer. There's always something to do, something to see. And I, so I miss those days with the plane. Yeah, and, and a lot of those those lightning bolts of inspiration happened on planes. And I, I had notebooks, right? Old notebooks full of ideas, or like you said, the back of barf bags. Like, gone. Yeah. hey, you know you got
0: like you know, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> it's
0: amazing. And that was always my time to read because you couldn't do anything else. And now it's like, and then all of a sudden they introduced the internet, and all of a sudden you worked.
1: Yeah, and I was Definitely.
0: like, yeah, how can you work? That's what, do you do you get um. This is a funny way to do it i talk to pop musicians about this a lot do you get bored with your own work like I, I, old work i'm sorry your older work and just or do you like revisiting because in yours it doesn't exist in a three minute thing that you have to keep repeating but in a way it's a much larger thing that you undertake when you revisit the work is it like seeing an old friend or are you sort of at certain points are you like
1: is it a relative that you're like all right we've It's a good question. I think I've got a really complicated relationship with it because sometimes I'll listen to an old work and I've been doing this for a while, right? So I've got pieces that are 30 years old or nearly 30 years old. And I might think, oh, it's like looking at a bad high school photo of yourself, you know, where you're like, really? Did I used to do that with my hair? And (laughs) and, and I just see all the flaws and all the warts. But then sometimes I listen to them and I think, God, I was so young and green and brave. Mm-hmm. Like there was this superpower naivete. You know, now what I do is always polished. It's like, uh, I think I know now how to write a piece that has a start, a middle and an end. It might not be great, but it, it looks and sounds like a piece of music. But I look at some of that stuff when I was younger and think, wow, I was, I was just doing these things that I don't think I would do now, now that I know what I'm doing. Right. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and so, so there's, I wouldn't call it regret, but there's a tinge of kind of melancholy and the nostalgia of listening back to some of those things. Yeah. So, so I tend actually to avoid them, unless I'm performing them in concert, where I'm bringing them to, to life. I, I try not to go down the that 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 path of revisiting them. I love,
0: Yeah, I've said I've said that a million times. Just in, in life, but the the most sort of fun I think I had in work when I didn't really know what the rules were,
1: <laughs> yes. and you're
0: just out there, sort of like you know, bull in a China t- shop, and it was really fun, and then. As time goes on, you're like, oh, no, you do it this way. And you kind of follow the rules, and you learn the rules. And, and, a, and a bit of that spark is just forever gone. It's the, the spark of youth. You That's know, just like that, yeah.
1: That's it. And I'll tell you, during this COVID time, like a lot of people, I've started cooking. I've never been a cook. Right. And cooking has for me that same buzz that composing music used to because I don't know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. and so I'm making all kinds of dumb mistakes or, well, I'll try a little bit of this, a little bit of this. You know, I saw Gordon Ramsay do this and just, just there's a playfulness about it, right? It's just, uh, there's no gravity at all to it. I'm just sort of playing like a child again. And I feel that way uh, where, and there's no judgment on it either. Just, eh, I made something or it wasn't so great, but it's just food. Well, I was
0: going to say, this is a perfect wrap up because we've um, we've found all these commonalities talking that we didn't know exist, but mine is not cooking. So I'm more than happy to have you make a meal for
1: me <laughs> all right. because Be- I just want to help your growth, my friends. Okay. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> way, It's going to help both our growth because I'm a big fan of butter. So everything just has way too much butter in it. So we're going to grow a lot. You,
0: you, you had me at butter. <laughs> all right. We're moving into the lightning round. We're going to ask you some, some deeply intense questions. I want fast answers or we're moving on. All right. What's the most useless talent you have? A
1: tango. I can. Perfect first
0: answer. That's why we have these questions. You heard it here to hear first. That's our exclusive. people. <laughs> Eric Whitaker can
1: tango. Yeah. Uh, have you ever tried to cut your own hair, Eric? Uh, Yes, I have <laughs> disastrously. My wife is begging to cut my hair. She really wants to try it. She's like, What's, "What can go wrong? COVID." <laughs> what could go wrong? You could be on a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone can
0: see it. Favorite cartoon of all time? You got one?
1: Uh, and you mean cartoon like like Looney Tunes, or you mean like a Pixar film?
0: Uh, either pick it. Any uh, all time, the
1: cartoon, any anything, anything animated. Um. Oh, that's it's a hard one to choose. There's so many. I would say, I, I've got to say The Incredibles, which is, incredible, right? movie. is such a good movie. And the score is beyond words, right? Michael Giacchino. My God, is that a great score. And
0: this is where we,
1: we finally found a
0: difference. i would be like Wacky Races, which I don't even remember if it had a score. <laughs> it, just had, it just had the dog. <laughs> uh, my favorite question that comes up, I'm, I'm pulling these things out of a hat. Just so you know, right now. So, but uh, can you pick up something with your toes, Eric?
1: I can pick up lots of things with my toes. Yes. I've got like freakishly long toes. So. Like,
0: so, like a remote, you could grab a remote and foot it yeah. on over to someone.
1: I could cook. I, I could. <laughs> I could use chopsticks with these guys.
0: Uh, do you have one thing that you would put on your bucket list that uh, maybe people wouldn't suspect?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if people would suspect this or not, but I will go to space. Period. That is happening. <laughs> my entire family says it's the worst idea ever. Also, I hate turbulence. I can't even stand turbulence. in, in a flight to New York, uh, I will go to space. That is on my bucket list. The moment- any particular planet or just space it doesn't even matter. Just I want out of the atmosphere. I'd love to go to the moon. I'd love to go to Mars. I'd love to go to some space station. I don't know what it's going to look like, but but the moment I, I'm able to do it, I'm I am Out of here. I love it.
0: Uh, can you remember your last Halloween costume?
1: Did you uh, have one? I'll tell you, even better, I'll tell you what we're doing this year is mm-hmm. my wife is going as David S. Pumpkins and my son and I will be the the, the two uh, Beat Boy skeletons. Do you know this reference from Saturday Night <laughs> <Yeah. five? Yeah. laughs> it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. You got the outfits and everything. Uh,
0: if there's a spider in your house, Eric, do you kill it? Do you set it free? No, no, no. I always set it free. You I, set it free. What I, if there was like 20 spiders?
1: I, I would. I'm ah. how to make a little sugar trail. <laughs> I can't, I, this is this is as bad as this is that if if there's two bananas and I choose one to eat, I feel bad for the banana I didn't. <laughs> <choose>. <laughs> that's that's how dysfunctional my my level of empathy is.
0: <laughs> you, you, you and I are not going to exchange books right now because I, I can relate to that. Can you really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had a horsefly in my house the other day, and it would have been so easy to kill, but I spent, yeah, 45 minutes getting it out of the house. You can't kill that fly. it's I know. It's
1: like, yeah, yeah.
0: Fly. Horsefly, too. It was one of those scary ones. You don't want in the house. Um, okay. Let's see. We got time for like one more question. Let me pick let me a good one. Um, do you have a fictional character you wish you could meet?
1: Ooh. Friends, any fictional character.
0: Any fictional character. Someone picked the, the woman from Murder, She Wrote. So you can pick whoever you want.
1: Uh, Oddly, what just popped into my head is Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso on Apple? No, it's on my queue. I gotta see it, it's great. We got recommended. Everybody was recommending it to us. It is such a sweet, beautiful show. It's the kind of show that shouldn't work and you're watching it. just every episode is so good and heartfelt and somehow, Ted Lasso, I just want to I want to meet him. I want to be around this guy. It, I, you'll, you'll understand when, when you see it. I'm, I'm starting it tonight. To yeah, it's so great. It's yeah. So Ted Lasso. Go right on. And and last, what if you could go any place
0: right now? Band's off and you could travel anywhere in the world. Is there some place you really miss and would love to be?
1: I would love to be in in Cambridge, just walking through those fields, those cobblestone streets. Uh, you know, After
0: knowing you for all this time, we found out that London is my other place I'd be in the world, and I, I also would feel bad for that banana. I'm <laughs> also reading books that stress me out. We got more in common than we even thought we did yeah. years ago, <laughs> it, brother. Thank you for joining us uh, today. It was so great catching up with you and talking to you on this. We
1: really appreciate it, and it's so good to see you. You too. Bye. man.
0: All right, everyone. We are gone. It's been thirty minutes. See ya. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes. Produced by Laura Sias. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time.